Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, please. I hope you're enjoying the Sermon on the Mount. If you're enjoying it, the good news is we're a third of the way through. If you're not enjoying it, the bad news is we're only a third of the way through. (laughs) Matthew chapter 6. Let's talk today about the three great Christian disciplines. We've been doing the Sermon on the Mount. So uh, all of the notes for this series are all on the website. You are invited to. Uh, Look at them any time. You can go ahead if you like. Imagine that. (laughs) Yes, I don't think many will, but you could go ahead if you like. And read the end of this course. You can read all the notes. They're all there. Or particularly pick up on uh, weeks you may have missed. And um, just go to the website, kingscambridge.org. And then on the website, there's a thing that says sermon notes. Click on it and you will be able to see this uh, course. It means that more is on the website than will be said today. So I recommend just looking at it again and just seeing all the scriptures and comments that, uh, that accompany this course. Matthew 6, Jesus said, uh, that's something I taught my students, by the way, last week. We probably, it's probably not good. Preachers, listen to me now for a moment. What's an even better idea than saying Matthew 6 verse 1 says is to say rather, Jesus said. And I learned that from someone else. So Jesus said, be careful. Everyone say, be careful. careful. Okay, so if Jesus is telling us to be careful, it must mean that what he's about to say is something that could affect you. Not just someone else, but you and me. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men. To be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. To be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. There's something really funny that you may not know. In the old uh, uh, language of the Middle East here, to say someone has received their reward in full is the same expression. It's, it's, it's a bit like saying, here's your receipt. It's a very similar expression. Here's your receipt. Meaning, there you go. <laughs> you know, it's done now. Here's your receipt for your, for your good deed. Verse 3, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. There's that word again. For they love to pray standing 
in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. This is all good stuff, isn't it? (laughs) Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then, traditionally, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. They've had their receipt. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. That's good advice generally anyway, isn't it? But especially when you're fasting, wash your face. So that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Jesus is um, discussing the three disciplines of the Christian life. There are many disciplines, but here, zoning in on three. Giving, praying, and fasting. The three disciplines that, that he's drawing out here. And they are disciplines. Uh, That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a disciplined person. You can't be a disciple without having discipline. You can see the English uh, connection, can't you? Being a disciple means that you are a discipline. What's the difference between a believer and a disciple? Well, in Bible days, there was no difference. They were the same. Today, it's quite different. Today, in a church, you can have believers. They believe things. But then you also have what I would call the disciples, the real bona fide Christian people who have turned their beliefs into disciplines that they apply in their lives. They don't just believe God answers prayer, they pray, right? (laughs) They don't believe, they don't just believe God wants them to be givers and will reward them, they actually give. They turn their beliefs, they put legs on the things they believe. But they're not just that. It's a discipline. It's a discipline to pray. It's a discipline to fast. You don't meet too many people. Occasionally you do. But you don't meet too many people who say, I just want to do more fasting. You don't meet many people like that. It's a discipline to do it. 
you don't meet too many people who just love to pray, especially when things are difficult in their life. It's, it's a discipline to pray. And that's why sometimes we shouldn't think of ourselves as being the people of great freedom. You know, we, Jesus has set us free. Well, he has set us free, but he's brought us into a slavery to him, which is slightly different. And so there are certain things as Christians that we are called upon by God to do, not just to believe, you know. So when I look at these, these disciplines, I just want to pick out four words that Jesus uses all the time uh, when he speaks about these uh, disciplines. And hopefully we'll be done in a few minutes. The first word that Jesus uses again and again and again is the word when. When. When you give, don't be like these people, but when you give, do it like this. When you pray, don't be like these people, but when you pray, do it like this. When you fast, etc. So these, these disciplines, these things are not if issues, they are when issues. Sometimes the only time people give is when they have more than enough. Sometimes people give uh, when they get, uh, you know, when they get blessed or something. Other people give when they need a miracle. Uh, but, but we shouldn't give at these two extremes. Of things. I remember one time, you know, having no money at all. And uh, then, then I learned the secret of giving. Because you sometimes can give your way out of your problem, can't you, with God. And um, I've had all sorts of miracles like that. And other times you give if you um, come into a whole load of money. But... But really, the disciple gives in that middle section, not just at the extremes. When you give, when you fast. Again, some people fast only when they feel they've got an emergency. It's like, God, you're going to talk to me. And I'm going to make you talk to me because I'm not even going to have my lunch. As though this will somehow turn your prayers into some sort of giant caps lock email to heaven. That God feels that he's, you know, suddenly appears in heaven with an urgent, you know, um, exclamation mark next to it on God's computer. Oh, look, they haven't, they, they haven't had their egg roll. I, I better talk to them now, you know, so it creates some sort of giant, bold print to God. That's just not how it works. When you fast, not if, when, when, when you pray, not if. So that's the first word that appears all the way through. And that's got something to teach us. That these things that are, that, that we are, we're to do them. It's not if we do them. It's when we do them. Jesus assumes that we are going to do these three things. The second word is the word hypocrite that appears in each three uh, of the disciplines. Hypocrite or, or don't be like the hypocrites. Now, um, what's interesting is this, and I really, I want you to see this. Jesus uses the word hypocrite in a way that we don't use it. If I were to take a little poll here today of everyone who had a great grasp of the English language, and I said to you, what's a hypocrite? You might say to me something like this, and I know this is true because this is what it says on Wikipedia, so we all know 
That's always true. But I looked it up on the internet. I just put the word hypocrite into a dictionary, and this is what it says. It says something like this. Um, To pretend to do something, but in fact to do something else. To say you're going to do something, or to purport to be something, but in fact you're something else. You don't do what you tell other people to do. Now that is the way we use the word hypocrite today. So that's a valid way to use it. But in the Bible, that's not what it meant at all. I want you to look at verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6. Just turn back in your Bible to that. Where we learn what a hypocrite is in the Bible. A hypocrite is not what we uh, think of as the hypocrite today. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do. Right? Verse 5. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue. The hypocrites didn't not pray. They did pray. The hypocrites didn't not give to the needy. They did give to the needy. Where's the next one? Verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. The hypocrites weren't not fasting. They were fasting. Now that's not how we use the word hypocrite today. These people that Jesus called hypocrites, it's not that they weren't doing what they preached, but instead they were doing these things for publicity's sake, for the wrong motive. In the, in the Greek world, the word hypocrite was exactly the same word as you would use for the word actor in, in a, in a theatre. It's, it's an actor. Jesus says, when you go about giving When you go about praying, when you go about fasting, don't be like the actors in the theatre doing it as a performance to receive a round of applause from people. Do it for him who is unseen, the audience of one. Now it must be tempting for us to do this because Jesus tells us, verse 1, to be careful not to do this. So how would this work today? You see, in the, in the first century, there was such a thing as the hour of prayer. Very similar, in fact, to the Muslim faith today, where there are certain times of the day where they have to pray. In Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John performed that great miracle through the power of the Holy Spirit at the beautiful gate, but it said they were on their way at the time of prayer. So in the first century, particularly in places, very religious places like Jerusalem, there would have been times of prayer, you know, three o'clock or six o'clock. I'm making these times up, you understand. But certain times when they had to pray. So what Jesus is saying is the Pharisees would make sure that, let's say the time of prayer was three o'clock, they would make sure that they were in the most public place of all at three o'clock. Oh, look, it's three, you know, putting on his digital watch. Three o'clock, look. Do you know what? Most people in this room don't know what a digital watch is. I'm too old. So there they are, three o'clock, 
Oh, it's the time of prayer. And they start to pray in public to be seen by other people. Now, we've got a careful balance to strike with this. But this is what the Word of God is saying to us. God wants us to be disciples. It's no good saying, well, that these people who pray loudly, they're just showing off. Because really, I'm not sure that's really the case at all. And sometimes people who are sort of timid don't like loud people and accuse them of showing off. And actually, all they're doing is being courageous rather than uh, timid. So it's not, it's not really about that no one must do anything in, in the public. Because, of course, it was perfectly right. In, throughout the Bible, people prayed in public. People did give in public. It wasn't supposed to be some colossal underground network of religion going on. But here's the warning. As you fulfill these disciplines, never be, never be an actor in church. Never be an actor in uh, the, the performing of these, of these disciplines. Uh, this isn't something this church really suffers with too much, but occasionally I'll be visiting another church. And uh, there might be a lady in the, in the congregation, you know, who wants to, she's re- she really wishes that she was the worship leader, you know. So she's, or it could be a man too. And so they're doing all the, all the singing, you know, from the, from the, from the, from the um, pew. And they, they, they want to be maybe seen to be spiritual. Now, uh, again, we have to be careful with this because we're supposed to encourage one another and build one another up. There's nothing more encouraging for the worship team than to hear people singing and, and shouting out and getting excited about their faith. So we're certainly not closing that down. Far from it. But here's the word of God to us. Just to be careful that when we do things, that we're not doing them to be seen by others. We're not, we're not giving to be seen by, by other people. We're not a celebrity sitting on a chat show accidentally mentioning their charity work or something like that. You know, oh yes, I'm afraid I have to go. I'm the patron of five charities, you know. You know, I can't stay and talk to you all day. Hypocrites. Let's be careful to have pure motives in all the things we do for God. The third word that appears again and again, and this is similar to what we've just spoken about, is the word secret. Jesus says it three times. Verse 4, you're giving should be in secret. Verse 6, your praying should be in secret. And verse 18, your fasting should be in secret. There are certain secrets God wants us to keep. And, uh, and, and one of them is this, the way we live out a disciplined life. Now, again, let's just bring a balance What the Bible also wants is models. The Bible says that we should set an example for others. So actually, let's just take the whole issue of fasting for a moment. For years and years, nobody taught or said anything about fasting. I'll talk about in the UK. When I became a Christian in 1988, the first time I heard a message on fasting 
the first time was in 1993, five years into my Christian life. And the guy came up and he was preaching on fasting and he said, I've just got this book from the library on fasting. And he opened the cover of the book because in the, I don't know whether they still do this with libraries, but they used to put a stamp in the book to tell you, you know, when it had to be back. And he opened it up to show that no one had got this book out before. <laughs> uh, and the book was old. In fact, actually, I think I'll tell a lie. I think there was one stamp in it, but it was years and years ago. <laughs> and especially fasting, that was kind of, you mustn't tell anyone you're fasting, you know, keep it, keep it quiet because you're just showing off if you tell. And the problem is that no one was then modeling it. No one was teaching on it because how could you teach on something you were supposed to keep quiet, you see? <laughs> so in the end, you had books on fasting that nobody was reading. In fact, the guy probably was persecuted for even writing such a book as that because it's supposed to be secret, you know. You needed to put in the forward. I'm writing a 60,000 book on fasting. I just want you to know that I have never done it though. No, no, not me. <laughs> How heavy are you? Seven stone one. How tall are you? Six foot two. I oh, know. It's just my metabolism. But there are things that God wants us to keep secret. What did Jesus say? He said that we should let our light so shine before men that they may praise who? Our Father in heaven, you see. So there are times when, in fact, our faith must be public. See, this is the balance. It is a secret in terms of the, at the heart of it is your agenda. It's your motivation. It's whether you want to look good or whether you want people to praise your Father who's in heaven. When we went and had over 100 families, I believe, on our books many years ago with Christians Against Poverty, we, <coughs> excuse me, we told them we were helping them because of Jesus Christ. It wasn't a secret. Uh, it, it wasn't supposed to be a secret because we wanted to let our light so shine before men that they would see our good deeds and but praise our Father who is in heaven. So your faith must be public, but... It's all about just being careful about the motivation that we are, we, we want to have a kind of a purity um, about this. Not be in a strategic place at the hour of prayer. And the fourth word that we find throughout the passage is a great word, a word that we should think about maybe much more. Jane always says to me, you should preach on this much more. And it's the word reward. Throughout the passage, there is the promise again and again and again that if we will fulfill these disciplines, giving, praying, fasting, that we will be rewarded. Rewarded. When you give to the needy, verse 2, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue. I've never, by the way, I've never seen this in church, have you? Someone coming down to the front to give their offering and bringing their trumpet with them. <laughs> yes, folks, that was 10 pounds. <laughs> the following week, <laughs> sorry, it was only 5 pounds. <laughs> 
<laughs> Announcing it with uh, trumpets. But he says, I tell you, they've had their reward in full. See, So if you want to impress people, there you are. There's your receipt. Nothing further to come. Transaction done. That's what it means. There's your receipt. Transaction over. There's nothing further coming for you. You've had everything you are going to get. And uh, Jesus says, if you'll do these disciplines, but you'll do them with a pure heart, you're going to be rewarded by heaven. But if you do them to be seen by people, then there's your receipt. I hope you enjoyed the adoration of people because that's all you're getting out of this. You've received your reward in full. But he says this, that there is a reward from the Father. Look at that in verse 4. Your Father, if you give, your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. One of the most amazing uh, pieces in the Bible, and you might find this, I don't know if you might find this offensive or amusing, so we'll find out. But there's a story in the Bible of the, the little widow woman who came and put her little tiny mite, you know, they call it the widow's mite, a tiny, tiny coin, like the old um, halfpenny piece. I'm really, really dating myself today with that too. But um, years ago, everyone, there used to be a coin in this country called the halfpenny. Let me tell you all, it's a tiny coin. And um, you, you, many of you have probably still got them. And, uh, but this lady came with her little tiny coin and she put it in the, in the offering at the temple. And Jesus made a big scene of it, do you remember? He said, this woman was given more than everyone else. Now, I find this amazing. How did he know? How did he know what she'd put in the treasury? What did he have, a word of knowledge? Or much more likely, he was there looking. Can you imagine the prophet from Nazareth? You know, it's there. Hello, hello. You, you're Jesus of Nazareth? Yes. Right. And she, the, I don't know how, how close you have to be to see a tiny coin coming out of a, a you know, an elderly hand going into a, a basket or something. But he was there with his face, you know, right in this. <laughs> and you still have people you see. Oh, it's a, what I give, it's just, you know, it's up to me. No, it's, it's not up to you. God's doing this. <laughs> and as everything with God, he commended this lady, not for what she gave, but for what she had left. The way we give, in terms of how God perceives it, is what we have left. Not what we have left, but what we have left. Some people... To give a hundred pounds is a fortune extraordinaire. To another person, a hundred pounds is just really a mockery because they are, they have tens of thousands of pounds. So it's all comparative, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful in tithing? Before God ever asks me for ten pounds, he always makes sure that I have a hundred pound first. Seems like a good deal, really. No, secrets leading to rewards. We're, we are rewarded for our times of prayer. We're rewarded for our fasting. 
Uh, and this little piece here where you have, where you have the Lord's uh, prayer. Our Father in heaven. I, I used to pray this at school. Anyone join me in that? Praying this at school. And I think it's a wonderful prayer to pray. But I have, I have a feeling that the way Jesus was teaching this was much more along the lines of teaching us how to pray. You notice that we're supposed to pray intelligently. Look at verse 7. When you pray, do not keep on babbling. (laughs) Don't keep on babbling. Now, you tell me, what's babbling? I'm not sure, but I wonder if I do it sometimes. Do not babble. Don't just chatter away. But pray intelligently, you see. And he says, because the, the, the pagans think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Now, let me just make, get one thing clear. You won't be heard because of your few words. But you're not heard because of your many words either. And Jesus teaches us how to pray. Now, rather than this being a, something to recite every morning, an evening, although I wouldn't object to anyone doing that. But I think it's like, now this is how you should pray. First of all, you should worship God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're going to have a time of prayer. You're going to begin by worshiping the Lord. That's a good way to begin uh, a time of prayer. It's a good way to begin a church service, and to end a church service, that everything is tied up in the worship of God. And uh, so we begin by, by worshipping God. And thank God today for CDs and iPods and everything else uh, that enable us to have music to, to help us. We've got one of the best worship teams in the UK here. And I believe that with all my heart. But, uh, but the, uh, you can go to any bookstore or any, and you just you have the, the great worship in your car or in your home to help you to worship the Lord. So Jesus says, this is how you should pray. No, not, not necessarily lots of words, but here's a, here's a good bit of ingredients for a time of prayer. Worship, telling the Father that, he is, that his name is, is hallowed. And then, <coughs> excuse me, a time of intercession. Lord, I want your will to be done, and I want your kingdom to come. And in that, you can think about the things that you think God wants to do in your own life. Lord, I want your will to be done. And... You, and, and but, by the way, can I say this? Sometimes I think we have thrown that away as a, as a glib line. We are supposed to know what the will of God is. Many times. It's not supposed to be a mystery. In the uh, first epistle of John, John writes and says, if we ask anything in accordance with his will, he hears us. So it's like he's thinking that his readers know what the will of God is for them. And there are certain things you know what the will of God is. You may not know who you're supposed to marry or what job you're supposed to have, but you know you're supposed to be on fire for God. You know you're supposed to be in love with Jesus. You know you're supposed to have dealt with that sin that so easily besets you. You know you're supposed to forgive your dad, etc., etc., etc. These things are all in the will of God. So we pray, Lord, I just want... And, and, and you can name what those things are. Let your kingdom come, of course. We want to pray that people come to Christ. We want to pray that his power comes into the church. We want to pray that his spirit will, will be on our day as we go out and serve God as missionaries. These, this is not just a thing for kids to recite in a school. This is a formula of praying. These are the things that Jesus wants us to pray about. Lord... Give me my daily bread. 
Give me my daily bread. I think it's very, very interesting that so many of us want our yearly bread. (laughs) We're not terribly interested in our daily bread. If I've got a bill to pay on Wednesday, I'd rather have the money now. (laughs) I'm not sure I want it on Wednesday. But Jesus teaches his disciples to pray for their daily bread. Sufficient for the day is the trouble they're in. And sufficient for the day will be the provision they're in. Lord, will you please, uh, please, for the sake of my stress, could I have this money now rather than next month? But day by day, God is the provider. And as a faith community, hear the word of the Lord today. We need to get into that place where we believe in God just for the grace for today. Because tomorrow... That's a whole, that's a whole different ball game. God's given you everything you need for now. And we need to be a people who believe that. Daily. We have our daily bread. It's not even our monthly bread. It's our daily bread. Lord, will you be my provider? And then repentance, of course. Forgive me. My sins, verse 12. My debts. My debts to heaven, my debts to man. And it's really interesting. Jesus pulls this out. Of all the things he could comment on, look at verse 14 and 15. The passage, he pulls this out. As I just said, now let me just remind you, and all the things you just prayed about, let me just remind you that, that that bit was really important there. That if you forgive men, your father will forgive you. And it's really interesting. This isn't my topic today, but let me just throw it out. The Bible does not explicitly say to us that we should ask God to forgive us our sins. It says we should ask God to forgive us as we forgive others. That's a huge challenge, isn't it, to us? Of course you should ask God to forgive you your sins. But the way God forgives you is in relationship to the way you're going to forgive others. The measure you use, it will be used to you. That's why we have to have an atmosphere of grace and a heart full of Love and, and compassion and forgiving our enemies and loving those who've hurt us. All the things we spoke about last week. So a time of repentance in a time of prayer is always a good thing. Don't, don't repent for, the, for David Cameron. Don't repent for you know, your mother, father. You know, you talk about repenting for you. Asking God to help you. Lord, will you clean me up? And I believe that's a good thing to do even on a daily basis. And then finally, strength. Lead me. Not into temptation. I don't want a show of hands. I don't want a show of hands, but I'm going to ask you a question, rhetorical question. When's the last time you prayed, Lord, do not lead me into temptation? (laughs) No, most of us are quite good at praying, Lord, forgive me for falling into that temptation. But maybe we should pray that God will put some fences around the cliff rather than prepare an ambulance at the bottom of it. And uh, uh, I think this is an area of prayer that maybe we need to think about a little bit more for ourselves and for our families, etc. Lord, will you lead me not into temptation? Deliver me from the evil one. Lord, I want you to strengthen me and allow me to be holy before you. And then just finally, just in these last... Two or three minutes. Let's just pick up this thing about fasting. Because he finishes by talking about fasting. And uh, let me just touch on it as we close. And of course, whenever we talk about fasting, the spirit of hunger comes. And people start to get a bit hungry. And so I'm going to just let Carol know that the biscuits might go quite quickly at the end. Um, 
Just three simple bits of advice Jesus gives about fasting. Here they are. They all begin with S. My students will be very proud of me for these. How should fasting be done? Well, we know how it should be done because it's, it's right here. It should be done spiritually. It's done by praying, isn't it? It's a prayer act. I have known people who fasted. They've abstained from food, but they haven't really got into the praying element of it. And there is a word for that. It's called a diet. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people fast earnestly just before their wedding when they look at their dress or their suit. And uh, it's not supposed to be a diet. It is a spiritual act. And um, so I want to encourage us in the, in, the, in the arena of fasting, but in the arena of fasting that it is something that we do in relationship with praying. We are to pray and fast rather than just, you know, go on a diet or something like that. It should be spiritual. And I believe fasting is not bold print to God. It's not caps lock. Does fasting move mountains? Yes, it moves one of the biggest mountains there is. It moves me to God. I want to say that again. Fasting doesn't so much move mountains. The idea of fasting is it moves you to God. Gets you to be with God. There's nothing more that will make you think about God than a great desire for a bacon roll. I'm really thinking about God. I'm suffering here. It's a spiritual act. So in fasting, it's not supposed to be a diet. I know there are some fringe benefits of it. Number two, it's sacrificial. It's spiritual, but it's sacrificial. Look what he says in verse 17 and 18 here. When you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, that it won't be obvious to men that you're fasting. What he's saying is this. When somebody fasts, look at me a moment. When somebody fasts, It's so sacrificial that they have to disguise the fact they are fasting. And the reason I say that is because there is a new trend today to say, well, you don't have to fast just food, you know. No, no, you can just fast um, TV. Yes, I'm fasting the X Factor at the moment. Oh, really? Yes, of course, I'm uh, taping it. Let me tell you this, if you have to disguise the fact that you're fasting TV, you really need to fast. You've got a big problem. If you say, I haven't seen Emmerdale all week, I better wash my face. I I don't know what's going on down at the farm. It's grim. Oh no, what's Louis Walsh said? I don't know. Now sometimes it might be good to have a digital detox. To me, the world of good to get off Facebook the other day. It was just, I felt like I was free again. I could walk down the road and not tell anyone where I was going. But best of all, not know where they were going as well. It's fabulous. So sometimes we need a digital detox. But that's not fasting. That's just good. That's just good for your soul. In the Bible, fasting meant to go without food. F-O-O-D. Food. Food didn't mean to stop watching MasterChef. It meant you didn't eat anything. It doesn't necessarily mean you don't drink anything. In the desert story where Jesus is fasting, it says at the end of 40 days he was hungry. It doesn't say he was thirsty. So I'm not suggesting he had like, you know, diet cola going in him. 
But it doesn't say he was thirsty. It's quite interesting. And um, so fasting is a sacrifice. Abstaining from food. And, um, and thirdly, just uh, finally today, it's supposed to be secret. It's spiritual, it's sacrificial, and it's secret. It's a private connection with God. Now, I'll finish just with this funny story. It's not so secret that you, uh, you have to keep it at all costs. I, uh, when I was in Torquay, I had a good friend called Big Steve, who I've mentioned many times. And Big Steve used to fast a lot. And when he fasted, he became Little Steve. And then he went back to normal. And anyone knows that fasting is not a good weight loss uh, technique. Anyone who's done it knows that. Up and down and up and down. Oh, I'm half a, half a stone lighter. And you go and have breakfast. I'm eight pounds up. <laughs> Body behaves oddly. But Big Steve used to fast, but he used to take this thing about keeping it a secret, very, very seriously indeed, to the point where he began to really sin. People would say to him, Steve, do you want to come around for a meal tonight? And rather than go, no, I'm fasting, he thought, no, I I can't tell him. It's supposed to be a big secret, you see. Now, it isn't a secret if you're not showing off. He wasn't showing off, but he used to make up all sorts of things. No, no, I can't come around tonight. I'm I'm getting married. Really? Yeah, yeah, I, I am. I didn't know you were engaged. Oh, no, I, I met her earlier today. <laughs> and he would make up, uh, you know, start, oh, uh, do you want to come round for a drink, uh, you know, a drink and a bite to eat? Oh, no, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm attending the royal uh, wedding. Uh, this, this, I didn't know you were friends with the Duke of Buckley. Oh, yes, yes, we're, he's my father. Your father, yes, yes. Uh, and, and he was just, you know, trading one sin for another. <laughs> So it's not that kind of secret. And that's why people have not modeled it, because they had to keep it secret. Listen, uh, I want to thank God for everyone who fasts. And if you fast, I want you to talk about it. If you feel you can talk about it without showing off, if your heart is pure, talk about it. Tell people, I'm in fasting, because we want to encourage fasting, because it's one of the disciplines. I hope it's not a secret that you're a giver. It might be a secret what you give. But it's not a secret that it's not a secret that I'm a giver. It's a given that I'm a giver. It should be a given that I'm a prayer and a given that I'm a faster. But it's not about it's not about showing off. So I want to encourage you. Sometimes Christianity is a discipline. Look, I'm closing my Bible. There's a discipline. In fact, I'm closing Richard Blythe's Bible. Um I want to encourage you, let's be disciplined in our walk with God. Turn your beliefs and put some legs on them. And turn them into uh, acts of sacrifice, acts of devotion to God, acts of, acts of giving, and acts of drawing very close to God, even through sacrificial fasting. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.